John chapter 4, thank you. Thank you. John chapter 4. God is just, wow. He's awesome. He's customized today with you in mind. I, I hope you come away from here understanding that. This is a customized service, a customized message for you. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, I have already alluded to this, but let me read it clearly for you. The hour is coming and is now here. Somebody say, is now here. The hour is coming and it's already here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. Will He find it here? Oh, I hope so. And I think so. But if we think we've arrived, we're, uh, <laughs> we're sadly mistaken. I hope He doesn't go looking at another church as He's looking, and He is looking. He's seeking that's, that's an earnest looking. That's a diligent looking. Seeking for someone, maybe a group of someones who will worship him in spirit and in truth. How is your worship? Is your worship mediocre? Is your worship average? Is your worship exemplary? Let me ask you this question. Do you worship on a regular basis? Now, when I say this, don't think, well, I don't even have a voice. I can't even sing like Claudia or, you know, Pastor Moses or Karen and the rest of the team. I mean, they're just, they're amazing. They are amazing. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate our team. Well, it's not about your ability to sing. Because the Bible is very clear. We can even make a joyful what? Noise. Sometimes it's just noise. But, but if it sounds good to God, that's all I care about. God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. I believe this is a call for us to saturate in worship. Write this down. We're in a study that I've entitled Saturate. From the beginning of this year, we've been talking and looking at how we could saturate ourselves to God, consecrate ourselves to God. We want God's presence to saturate us, but I hear God calling us, what will you do? We want God to come to us, but God bids us to come to Him, saturating ourselves in prayer, saturating ourselves in the Word of God, saturating ourselves in righteousness. Today, we saturate ourselves in worship. Next week is a special week. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Next week we are going to saturate our community. We're having one service next week. It's a very abbreviated service because we're actually going to put it all in action. <laughs> we're going to saturate our community. Oh, I love this. We're meeting at 9 o'clock. Somebody say 9 o'clock. Combining two, our two services, and we're meeting at 9 o'clock for a, a, a time of abbreviated worship, a time of prayer, and a time of strategy. And then we will break up into five different teams. Let me tell you what these teams look like so you can come prepared. Pastor Moses is going to lead a team over to Sunrise Senior Center, and we're going to minister to... Uh, our senior citizens that are at sunrise, we're going to sing some hymns. We are going to perhaps give testimony. We're going to just sit and talk with people. 
pray with people, listen to people. I think it's awesome. So if that seems appealing to you, talk to Pastor Moses. And when we break next week, be sure to go to his team. There's a ministry that we have had in place for a, a, a little while now. It's a motel ministry. Uh, we go to a motel and we minister to a community there and they have a Bible study on Tuesday. Well, this time we're going to minister to their children in particular. We're going to have a VBS style, just uh, children's church and minister to the kids and to the parents and also give away some groceries. That's at the motel ministry. Pastor Creighton is going to be heading that up and Tassie, Sartorius Johnson. You could see any of those. Then for the men, mostly men. Now, women, if you like this, too, I'm not trying to be sexist here, but I know men like their tools. And here's an opportunity for you to bring your tools and do some real manly work. We have a lady in La Palma who's about to be fined by the city because her fence is in disrepair. And if she doesn't have it repaired, they're going to fine her. The problem is she doesn't have the money to get it repaired. So La Palma Christian Center and the men of action here have decided they would come in and repair the wall. That sounds real biblical to me. So if, you, if that interests you, bring tools and come ready to do some hard work. We have another team that's going to gather with Mike Jacob and Pastor Dave. They're leading this. It is a ministry to our park. We're going to the park. We are going to canvas the park pick up trash, minister to the people that are playing sports over there. I don't know exactly what's going to go on, but uh, they've got a good plan in place to canvas our park area. And finally, there's going to be a prayer walk for the rest of us. We will gather together. We're going to walk around Kennedy High School, for one thing, and we're going to pray that God would pour out his spirit on that school, on the administration, on the teachers, on the students, and all the families that come to Kennedy High School. Can you imagine if revival fire started out in that school and it would just set ablaze throughout our whole community? Can anybody imagine this? I'm talking to you about a river that's flowing, and then we're going to take buckets full of it out of here to some thirsty, thirsty people. Don't miss this. You can get a T-shirt, too. Somebody say T-shirt. We got some T-shirts. Pastor Dave, love it. So this would be a great way for all of us to uh, just uh, group ourselves together. Uh, La Palma Christian Center T-shirts, they're on sale for $12. See Pastor Dave today. I'm ready to saturate in worship. If true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth, the opposite must be worship in the flesh and dishonestly. Well, I hope that's not me. I pray that's not you. Because God's looking for honest worship, truthful worship, spiritual worship. Now I want you to turn over to John chapter 12, everyone. John chapter 12. Here is a glimpse of a woman who understood worship. And I believe that her worship was truthful and spiritual. John 12, 1. Six days before the Passover... Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had just previously raised from the dead. This is just shortly after Jesus calling Lazarus back to life. Verse 2, so they gave a dinner for Lazarus there. Martha served. Martha is Lazarus' sister. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with Jesus at the head table. Mary, another of Lazarus' sister, Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray Jesus, he says, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, 
he used to dip in and help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Saturated in worship. Simon the leper was hosting a party for Jesus and Lazarus, maybe mostly Lazarus because he's the hometown boy that was dead and now he is alive. Wow. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And so Simon the leper is having a party to celebrate Lazarus being back. People are gathered around Lazarus probably asking him all sorts of questions. I know I would. What was it like being dead? I mean, he was so dead that his flesh began to decay. He was so dead. He was dead for so long that his body began to rot. That's what the Bible tells us because when they rolled the stone away of Lazarus' tomb, a stench rolled out. And they said, he stinks. That's what dead bodies do. They begin to decay. They begin to rot. And rotten flesh stinks. That's how dead he was. So perhaps people are saying, you know, what was it like to be dead? Because he was dead for a few days. We don't really know. Do you remember seeing anyone in heaven? Maybe somebody asked. So-and-so died last year. Did you see them? We wondered if they made it at all, right? (laughs) So Lazarus is getting just all kinds of attention. What did you think when you heard Jesus call your name and tell you to come forth? He'd been dead for a few days. So the Bible says to be absent from this body is to be what? You know your Bible. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so perhaps he's already, you know, they're already showing him around a little bit. And then all of a sudden... Jesus calls Lazarus and tells him to come forth. I heard one preacher, Pastor Alleman, thanks for preaching for me on Wednesday, by the way. I really appreciate it. I didn't know I was going to be down, but thank you for that. I heard one preacher say it's a good thing that he, that he called Lazarus by name when he said, Lazarus, come forth, because there's so much power in Jesus' word. If he had just said, come forth, all the dead might have come forth. So they're talking to Lazarus. Tell us about this. And all of this focus is on Lazarus. Now, Mary, his sister, she loved the Lord. She loved the Lord. And she loved just listening to the Lord. I believe she loved worshiping the Lord. Worship to Mary, I believe, was her priority. So much so, she would neglect cooking. She would neglect serving. She neglected ridding up the dishes. (laughs) Well, we know this because Luke chapter 10 tells us another time when Jesus came over to Lazarus' house. Luke 10, 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, Bethany. Here, Here he's back at Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Only they're not at the Simon the leper's house. Now they're actually in Martha, Mary, and Lazarus' house. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and just listened to him talk. Just listened to him teach. Martha, however, was very distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to cook and clean and do all the dishes and serve everybody? Tell her to get up and help me. Hmm. You know what Jesus said? Look at verse number 41. Martha, Martha, Martha. You are so anxious and troubled about so many things. One thing is necessary. One thing is important. And Mary has chosen that one thing. Mary has chosen the good portion. And I'm not going to take it away from her. 
We know, we know that Mary loved the Lord, loved sitting at his feet, loved listening to him. I believe worship was a priority for her. And so perhaps she's seeing all of the attention focused on Lazarus. Well, we might say rightly so. She may not have liked it, so she runs home to grab the, the most priceless possession that she possessed. It's an alabaster box of liquid nard, spike nard is the full name. Spikenard was a valuable and fragrant oil derived from the dry roots of the herbal plant called nard. By the first century A.D., it was already being transported from its native India in alabaster boxes. Because of its costliness, spikenard was used for only very special occasions. Mary goes home and gets the most valuable thing she owns, this alabaster box full of perfume. She breaks the box and she pours the contents on the Lord. And in that moment, I believe Mary saturated herself in worship. There are three observations of Mary's worship that I want to highlight today. First of all, I want us to look at the cost of her worship. Her worship was costly. We see this in verse number 3 of chapter 12 in John. Mary, therefore, took a pound of very expensive oil or ointment made from pure nard. Mary, tell, uh, uh, we get a glimpse that it was expensive right there, but J Judas actually tells the price of it in verse number five. Judas says, why didn't we sell this ointment for 300 denarii? We could have probably gotten 300 denarii for that. Why didn't we do that? Now, he says, of course, that it was to give to the poor, but we know, according to Scripture, he was just a thief, and he wanted to line his own pockets. But her worship was valuable. I'm talking it had monetary value, actually. 300 denarii, the average person at that time earned about one denarii per day. So I'm trying to give you an idea today of how much this item was worth, the value, the monetary value of Mary's worship. 300 denarii, well, you do the math, it's just shy of a year's salary. This is what she brought to worship the Lord. This pound of perfume represented almost a full year's salary. Does anybody know what the average salary in California is as of this past Tuesday? If you were here in first service, please refrain from telling us the answer. Take a guess. What do you think the average salary in California is? $9 a year. No, it's more than that. Average yearly salary. What do you think? 47000 37000 40000 What do you think, Joe? You think it's 51000 don't you? You're exactly right. The average annual salary per person in California as of last Tuesday is $51,910. Some are saying, I'd love to make $51,000 a year. Well, that's the average across California. My point is, imagine somebody worshiping the Lord with almost a year's worth of salary. It's pretty powerful. Mary was fully committed to worship, no matter what the cost. The value of your relationship will be seen in the value of the gift that you bring. The value of your relationship with the Lord will be seen in the value of the gift that you bring. What is your salvation really worth? Remember, worship is worth 
worship? What is your Savior worth? Your deliverer, your healer, your redeemer. What is that really worth to you? It will be seen in your worship. It had monetary value, but beyond that, it actually had personal value for Mary. It was probably the most valuable item that Mary possessed, and it represented a good, strong, healthy dowry if she should ever marry. A dowry is what the uh, bride-to-be would bring to the table in negotiating. Usually the fathers would negotiate for their children. They had arranged marriages. And so the, the father of the groom would say, what, what does your daughter bring? And if she had nothing to bring, that would bring the chances way down of allowing their son to even marry her. But if the father of the bride could say, I have almost a full year's salary of, of worth in this item, that was very, very appealing. So it was a personal value. It would represent a good, strong dowry if, if Mary were ever to marry. If she never did marry, however, it was enough to pay for a proper burial. So there was personal value there. There was also the option of this item to be left to another family member as an inheritance. Saturation in worship, church, is costly. To really give it all and to just dive in. We did a little bit of that today, Pastor Moses. I think we did. We just dove in. How many felt good about just worshiping, the, worshiping your God for a little while right there? It's amazing. You just, you just surrender to it. You just give in to that. Saturate yourself in worship. It has to be your choice, and it must be a priority. Not just because Pimo keeps asking. I keep asking. I just, we want to do it, right? You want to do that. Saturation in worship should cost something. True worship will cost something. I thought of King David. King David refused to offer the oxen Arana the Jebusite wanted to give him because it did not cost him anything. He did, however, offer them after he paid the price. 2 Samuel 24, 24. The king said to Arana, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. So worship is costly. Secondly, I want us to look at the criticism that came as she worshiped. Her worship was criticized. I just want to remind you of something that you probably already know, but maybe nobody's told you lately. You are prone to be critical. <laughs> I, I'm just talking about our human nature right now. We're, we're by nature, we will be critical. It is in our DNA to default to the critical side of things. It's in the nature of people to criticize. President Lednecki, he served as the president of Central Bible College during our time there. Great, great man of faith and made such an indelible mark on my life and Karen's life. He preached many sermons, and I don't remember all that he preached. In fact, there's one thing in particular that I've never forgotten, and I don't think I ever will. President Lednecki said this concerning worship. He said, concerning worship, you will be one of two things. You will be a worshiper or you will be critical. I found it to be true throughout the years. 
I'm glad I sit on the front row. Because I'm not distracted. And I can just run after God the way I want to run after God. And get crazy if I want to get crazy a little bit. Lots of room up here. Seats are usually most comfortable because few people sit in the front, right? I don't want to be critical. I want to be a worshiper. If I'm not worshiping, I'm looking. I'm observing. And then you can start thinking things about how people worship. Or maybe you're aware of something that went on last week with that person. You go, oh, and she's going to get up there and... Mm. But to see if you're worshiping, you're not aware of any of that. You're just loving on the Lord. You're just thanking him. Wow. Look at who might have criticized Mary that day. Now, criticism may have come from, say, her friends. Remember, it's a big party. Lazarus was dead. Now he's not. Let's cook some food. Let's party over it. Let's celebrate. Lazarus is back. Inviting all the neighbors, friends. Mm. Few things are worse than so-called friends whispering behind your back and criticizing you. Who does she think she is? This isn't about her. This is about Lazarus. And she's coming in and making a big display she doesn't know what's appropriate. She never has known what's appropriate. She was supposed to be helping me serve back here, right? She began to criticize. Criticism may have come from her family. I, I say this because we already know that Mary got her nose, Martha got her nose bent out of joint. I said it like that first service. Martha got her nose bent out of joint over Mary. Worshiping before, sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning of Jesus. It clearly tells us Martha served right here in John chapter 12. The only thing it doesn't say is that she was irritated again, but she very well could have been. I said very few things are worse than friends, so-called friends, whispering behind your back and talking about you and criticizing you. Well, here's one thing that's worse when your own family does it. What about criticism from church folk? Believers. The disciples are there. Good Christian boys. Right? Judas is the one that pipes up, but I don't think he was the only one that thought Mary was out of line. Remember when the children came to Jesus and the disciples thought they knew better and they tried to shoo him off and tell him to get out, this isn't your place, and Jesus said, leave him alone. Let the children come to me, knuckleheads. I, I have a feeling there was some other good Christian people in the room that, that was that were criticizing Mary's worship that day, not just Judas. Believers talking about other believers and their worship. We missed the point. Worship isn't about me. Worship isn't about you. Worship is about him. I love this man right over here. Come here, Mike. This is my buddy. He's my brother from another mother. <laughs> I, I love Mike. I love him for so many reasons. He's got the heart uh, that is just so honest. You know, he doesn't put on pretenses. What you see is what you get. He's going to put some dreadlocks on his head. I, I love it. Where are you going? I didn't say leave. I am preaching. 
another thing I love is his heart to worship. I mean, from day one, Mike was all in, right? Have you, has anybody ever noticed that Mike really is exuberant in worship? I mean, maybe you didn't even notice that. You probably didn't notice. But uh, this man doesn't do that, so I would highlight it or you would notice it. This is just him going after God. It's him coming into a room like Mary came into the room and saying, you don't know everything God has done for me. You don't know where I was and where I am now. So if you don't mind, yeah, I'm going to jump a little bit. I'm going to run a little bit. You don't know the price of the oil. <laughs> mm, that's what I like. You can go sit down now. Can I just encourage you? Avoid a critical spirit. Be very careful. Negative people, you, you'll notice, they tend to find one another, don't they? Negative people are drawn to other negative people. And they may say, now, I just want you to pray about something. I'm only telling you so you'll know how to pray. We end up saying horrible things about other people and criticizing. A critical spirit, once it attaches, it's hard to remove. And if we're honest with one another, there's something very alluring. You know, it's like it's like a lure, right? A lure catches the eye, catches the attention of the of the fish. And it'll it'll grab the, the, the reflection of a light and a fish is it just sees the, the twinkle of it and it goes for it. That's how we are. Human nature. Somebody starts talking and we go, ooh, that's a, I, hmm, I want to hear a little bit more about that. And we're kind of drawn to it. And we might even like how it tastes when we tell somebody else. Be very careful of a critical spirit. Miriam was critical and she was struck with leprosy. The Israelites were critical and negative and wandered needlessly in the desert for uh, 40 years. What should have taken them 11 days, it took them 40 years because of a critical and negative spirit. Michael, David's wife, was critical of his worship, and she became barren. And Judas was critical and dishonest, and it ultimately cost him his soul. Beware, avoid a critical spirit. Finally. Her worship had consequences. This costly act of worship that others did not understand, that some in the room even criticized, it set in motion a series of consequences. First of all, Jesus defended it. Her worship was defended by Jesus. Look at verse number 7 again. I love this. Jesus said, leave her alone. <laughs> leave her alone. Quit pestering her. Quit bothering her. Leave her alone. When others don't understand your worship, when others criticize your worship, if Jesus defends it, that's all that matters. Come on, somebody. That's all that matters. Leave Mike alone. Leave me alone, <laughs> whoever it might be. They're just worshiping. They're just worshiping. Her worship was not only defended by Jesus, it was commended by Jesus. Mark tells this story in his version, chapter 14 and verse 6. He also says, leave her alone. Why do you pester her? Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing for me, a beautiful thing to me. Can I tell you something? Jesus liked it. He liked it. He wasn't bothered at all by it. He commended her 
for her worship. Our worship should please the Lord. It should be a sweet sound in his ear, a sweet smelling aroma in his nostrils. The final consequence, uh, another consequence, it, it served a purpose, her worship. The Bible tells us that she actually anointed Jesus for his burial. Now, when she went home to get this, she did not think, I'm going to come back and anoint Jesus for his burial. It wasn't like that. She didn't have the insight that he, he was going to soon be crucified and buried. She just wanted to worship him. She wanted to show him how thankful she really was, how much she loved him. But her act of true worship served a higher purpose than she intended or was even aware of. Her worship finally was preserved as a memorial. That's what the Bible tells us. Mark 14, 9. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, whenever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Now, here we are, February the 8th, 2015, and her testimony was just told again. Isn't that awesome? What Jesus said would happen, it just happened again. It's happened numerous times throughout the day that it happened. After that day, it continued to be told down through the years. And I just told it again. It's been preserved. It was locked in. God made sure that it stayed in the Bible even. That's how important it was. Whenever this gospel is preached, Jesus said, it will be a testimony. I believe our worship should also serve as a, a memorial, as a testimony. Do you worship only when the bonuses come, the promotions, the positive reports? Well, everybody could do that. But I wonder, could we worship when we get the most negative news we've, we've ever received? We lose our jobs. They say it's malignant after all. Still, I will worship. He's looking. He's seeking. The hour's coming, and, and it's here. When God will look for, seek after, worship. Worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Wow. I wonder if we could bring up John 12, 3 just one more time. I want to show you just one more thing before we close this. Mary took a pound of expensive perfume made from pure nard. She anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. By the way, let me just ask, do you know what a woman's hair stands for in the Bible? What is it? The Bible says that a woman's hair is her glory. Isn't it interesting? The dirtiest part of a person, when you would walk in to a place would be the feet. They had sandals on. Dust. Dirt. Mary didn't just take water to wash his feet. Took the most expensive thing she had and poured it on his feet. Then she took her hair, her glory, and wiped his feet. What is she saying here? She's saying, I have no glory. My glory means nothing. In other words, 
Jesus, you get all the glory. You get all the glory. All the glory. Now, right here, this is where I want you to take your pen out and underline in your Bible. If you put your Bible away, open it up again. Post it on, on your social network or whatever yours. This is worth it, seriously. The house was filled with the fragrance. Oh, my God. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Her worship changed the atmosphere. Everybody noticed. No one could deny. It, it shifted the attention back where it needed to be. At the feet of Jesus. Do you know that your worship might change the atmosphere? Do you know that your worship has the potential to change your circumstances? <laughs> I've watched my buddy Josh over here. I don't know how many months it's been now. How long have you been battling brain cancer? Three years. Three years. And I see him come in here. He's got his hat on. Uh, he's had numerous procedures done. I see him just in here worshiping. That's not easy. Can I tell you it's not easy to worship your way through something? We've been hoping and praying that God would, would totally heal you and, and it would be gone. I'm still praying that. I'm still believing that. But while we wait, can we just still worship him? Can we worship him anyhow? Mary could have just presented the alabaster box of oil as a gift. It's a nice gift. Here's a, a whole year's salary, just shy of a year's salary because I love you, because I believe in you. Here's for your ministry. Here's for your family. I don't know. That would be an amazing gift. But in order for the act to be worshipped, the contents, hallelujah, the contents of the alabaster box had to be broken, allowing the contents to flow as an anointing upon the body of the Lord. This was an extravagant display of the total release that true worship requires. I want you to bow your heads today. Our worship also requires brokenness. Brokenness that involves a splintering of our pride, a crumbling of our natural reserves, a bruising of our self-sufficiencies, and a crushing of our selfish nature. When this happens, a true release of emotions, repentance, submission, adoration, and joy can flow from us. I want you to think of how intimate Mary's worship was, how close she really was. She worshiped with total abandon, not caring what others thought, not caring what others might say. She lavishly poured the oil on Jesus and then wiped his feet with her hair. In that moment, she became one with Jesus. Her act of worship left her smelling like Jesus even, and Jesus was smelling like her. And everywhere she would go, people might say, oh, there's the one that smells like Jesus. Jesus smells like her. I wonder if people even notice a difference in your life. You have the essence of Jesus in you because you've been worshiping him. This call is for all believers who want to saturate themselves in worship. And as Pastor Moses begins to sing this very first note, that will be your cue to come and just begin to lavishly worship the Lord, everyone standing. Most holy Come on, let's saturate ourselves you in worship. You have my attention. 
yourself on him. Hallelujah. Hey, you are my devotion. Oh, 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 oh. With again Just before we dismiss, let a spontaneous song of worship arise in the house of God. Does anybody love the Lord?
say it again. Yes, it One more time, let it be a sweet sound. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. Thank you, Lord. We thank you today, Father God. You are everything to us, Lord Jesus. Father God, and today once more, we will pour ourselves everything. We will surrender all to you, to the King of kings, to the Lord of lords. And we will never, never stop doing it, Lord. We will never get tired of giving ourselves to you, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for your word and just for the worship today, Father God, that we may continue to worship you, Father God. From this moment on, that we will never be the same, Father God, that we will bring our worship to you even more. Father God, be with us. Go with us, Lord Jesus, as we leave this place. And be with us this week and we remember, Father God, to worship you with all that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I want to let you know, uh, church, before you get out of here, that there are a few spots left open in the art of marriage. If you would like to sign up, please come talk to me. Um, they're going quick and we're almost, the window's almost closed. Also, uh, if you are in first impressions, we are having a meeting in the friendship room uh, right now. Okay, so please um, attend if you are in first impressions. Thank you. God bless you all.